Welcome back to the Economic Development Matters podcast. We took a short break in January and we are ready to be back at it. Our guests today are Madison Cote, who is actually one of our colleagues at Edmonton Global. She's our Senior Manager of Business Development for AI and Technology. And we also have CK Dollywall, Business Development and Academics Manager for the Alberta Esports CK and Madison, thanks so much for joining us to talk about esports. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so nice to be here with you too. So Madison, maybe we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your position at Edmonton Global? Sure. So I joined the Edmonton Global team uh, just at the beginning of August. Uh, so shortly after one a large esports event here in the city. Um, I came from the Edmonton Screen Industries office before that, where I handled the interactive digital media portfolio. And then my background is Marcom. So uh, Sherry's quite used to being bugged by me for some pretty fun uh, initiatives that we've worked on as um, kind of partnerships within the Edmonton ecosystem. But I've been kicking around the esports scene of mostly as a fan since about 2013. So it's about a decade now, Well. Be a little old now, but yeah, that would be uh, my story there. Awesome. And CK, please tell us about yourself. Yeah. Um, so my name is CK Dollywall. Um, my full-time role, I actually work at a local B2B strategy firm here in Edmonton called Insight. Uh, so we focus on marketing, growth, uh, communications, those sort of pieces there. And uh, we dabble with a lot of uh, stakeholder engagement, economic impact, uh, those types of pieces around tourism and, and different municipalities across uh, Canada. And then I am the business development and academics manager at the Alberta Esports Association. Um, and then I also am on the uh, the executive team at Esport Canada as the director of external affairs as well. Um, so yeah, I cover quite a few things. Uh, much like Madison, I, I've been you know gaming and been involved in the industry for for quite some time. But in terms of being more dialed into the esports stuff, I'd say the the pathway really kicked in when I joined the the Alberta Esports Association in 2021. Um, and yeah, I've been spending a lot of my free time doing this kind of stuff. So I love it. Well, thank you. And so you both both mentioned esports. And so that's exactly why we have you two on the podcast today. Um, so Madison, can you tell our listeners like what is esports? So I'm going to steal something um, from one of the co-creators of ASA, uh, Vic, who a lot of people will know, uh, who's taking a step back now. But Basically, Vix always described it as there's no easy way except to say imagine sports 2.0. Because within esports, there's hundreds of games that you can turn into a competition. Uh, the other co-founder, Brad Jones, can turn literally anything into a competition. So it's basically a variety of ways for competing in video games, uh, whether that be live, PvP, um, I shouldn't use too many acronyms, player versus player, as well as um, probably the, the biggest one that most people would know would be League of Legends. Um, so that's a MOBA or tower defense game that came out of the Dota era, um, StarCraft being another one. We actually used to be quite well known as a city uh, for our competition in Warcraft. Uh, so that will put us way back in the timeline there for folks. Um, but we've had... Basically, world-class competitors come out of at least Alberta, definitely the Ed region, in a variety of different games, whether it be Fortnite, Apex Legends, um, we could go on and on, Rocket League. I think CKKN also mentioned some of the folks who are recently picking up scholarships as well for these, but essentially it's pretty equivalent to having 
a football team, a hockey team. This depends on which game you're playing and what you want to do. You'll see the same sort of things like psychological support, team um, team facilities that exist cost, you know, a, a significant amount of money to uh, to put investment into so that they can produce the highest level of athletic um, ability. And we really saw that come out of probably Asia, more specifically Korea would be the uh, the large one for that. But being able to see it translate into North America, we're we're pretty biased, I would say, when it comes to Riot Games. Uh, so Valorant is their new shooter one that is really, really picking up steam, but it's it's a wide variety. It really has a game for everyone, for everything. So if you like soccer, there's something there. If you like shooting things, there's something there as well. But I think that's my best description. Maybe CK has something to add there as well. I don't know. I feel like you covered quite a bit of it. I think the defining esports, I think, has been a challenge because the moment that you say it is this thing, it can be nothing else. And I think that is one of the travesties about this industry is that it is very new. Um, the intersectionality between culture, business, and, and what it does, it's so hard to wrap it up in like a single sentence. But I think, yeah, as, as Madison mentioned, like, I would say the best way to kind of look at it is just competitive video gaming. And that can be described in any way you want. So again, competitive video gaming can have no price pool at all and just be like a small bracket of, of people playing together, but obviously someone shooting to win uh, at, at the top of their ladder. Um, but it can also be something even uh, larger scaled all the way up to like, you know, 50 to 100K prize pools where there's serious money on the line. And as Madison mentioned, all those teams that have been practicing, having coaching, um, you know, uh, different types of facilitation to ensure that they're ready to go, strategizing against like other local teams. There's a lot that goes into it, much like a sports team. But because this one is less tangible in the sense that it's a lot of it's done online, done on computers. I think that's probably one of the the problems with it is it's hard to have it rationalized in person. But um, with events and things like that coming up more frequently, uh, as we're seeing across Canada, I think we'll finally get to see what that look and feels like in more detail. Yeah, I think for me, the first time I really thought about esports was after meeting Madison and her kind of putting it on my radar. I mean, I've watched my kids watch other play people play video games, but that wasn't really a competition. Just watching people play video games was a little odd to me. But I I mean, from what I understand, it's exploding all over the world. Can you guys talk kind of about the scale of what's happening in esports and sort of those some of those big events that are taking place? Yeah, I mean, before we hop too far into it, I can tell you're not the youngest child, Sherry, because watching video games is how I grew up with an older brother and sister. It's definitely, you know, it made a pathway for things like Twitch for a lot of folks who were just player two waiting for their turn. But I think one that we really, really caught on and really had quite an attention drawn to it in the past uh, little while here would be the Intel Extreme Masters event in Katowice. Uh, so that's in Poland, which is now probably the largest event in the Western world. So they see about 14 million euros come in each time that they host the event for their local economy. And it can very much range on what game is popular that year. Um, and then I would say probably the largest one right now would be the Worlds event for League of Legends. That one uh, recently had a little Nas X open it up because uh, it actually took place in North America for once, which is 
odd for us. We don't tend to host the really big ones uh, in comparison to Asia or Europe. Uh, we are a little bit farther behind, but uh, I think CK can definitely chat a little bit more about uh, some local events that are getting really, really big. But for me in the past, I when when they first came, when they brought the um, the LCS to Toronto back in 2016, I was like, this is going to be my only shot to see LCS in Canada. I got to go. So I took my summer vacation from my job to actually go to Toronto to watch that. And then they came to Vancouver the next year. Um, but they haven't been back since. And uh, so it is something where I think we have a lot of potential waiting to be unlocked in Canada, especially now that you know, Roger and Edmonton is complete. Um, but for sure, the the local scene has just exploded. And even beyond that, you know, our typical dream hacks where people could bring their own machines have now that COVID is a little bit different these days. Um, they've really, really gotten massive, absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. To Madison's point, there's in terms of local events, I think that the scale at which we're seeing abroad, we, we just haven't gotten there yet. And it's not because there's a lack of interest. It's a lack of repetition. When you look at what other uh, nations or countries are doing, they're able to have this scale of events because they've done it quite frequently. They have the pool of people who are willing to play, uh, compete, and of course, want to come out and see that. Um, in terms of things that we're seeing kind of in Alberta, obviously the Alberta Esports Expo, but when you think about what the Expo is, it's really an evolution of, of something called Capsule Series, which was an annual event that ASA hosted, um, usually in Calgary, but still on this like family day weekend. So we try to ensure that we have some of those traditions kind of built into what we're doing. But our event, when we initially started it, we wanted to attract a minimum, like the, the bare minimum goal was 400. Um, looking at tickets today, we're sitting just close to 850 with another 240 participants in a platform called StartGG, which is what we use to organize some of the tournament brackets and things like that. Um, so we're seeing like in Alberta, there's, there's stuff going on. It's growing. The collegiate space as well is already starting to launch some of their own initiatives. Um, you know, colleges like uh, Northwest College, is really trying to kick in gear with some of their more local events. Again, they're maybe not at the scale where we have tens of thousands of people, but 100 to 250 people and the cost to run something like that being so small is still very impactful and beneficial uh, to what's happening. And if we look to some of our you know, neighbors in, in places like BC, uh, they have fighting like Smash Fest, like Super Smash Brothers rather, which is a, a, a large... Uh, popular fighting game. Um, they have an event that they've been running for the past two years that went from having uh, 500 participants to about a thousand participants this year. So lots of different areas across Canada are really seeing this grow. And especially in Toronto, because there's a lot of different businesses who are much more involved. Uh, you're seeing larger financial groups like MMP get involved with these types of events. So having expos help increase awareness. And that result of those events allow for people to want to get involved with more um, engagements and whatever that looks like. So in terms of the local scenes and how that's growing, the pace at which is growing is quite fast, considering how many resources are currently allocated to the space. Most of these things are grassroots, which, um, you know, that word, I think, is tossed around quite a bit. But what we miss in that is grassroots generally means free. People are launching these events with 
no full-time capacity. It's uh, how many people can bring their own consoles to, to Madison's point to really help make sure things kind of align and happen. But it's because of those smaller activations, again, building in those repetitions of events actually happening in our city, in our communities, that gives hope to uh, larger scale events actually coming to our city. And you know, to Madison's point as well, Edmonton, uh, well, obviously I'm biased, Edmonton specifically, does have a lot of unique structures and infrastructure to launch these different types of events. So venues all the way from having 1,000 to 1,500, all the way up to, to places in Rogers Place opening up for events of that scale. So when we really look at what's happening locally, I think this is really the start of something wonderful. And I'm glad that we're able to have an opportunity to do that uh, versus some other places that are still trying to find their footing and their ground as to where do they want to focus on? What titles do they want to focus on? That sort of deal in other provinces uh, that I've spoken to. Oh, Sorry, just before we, we move on there, I think it's also a really key point that um, CK just hit on is each city kind of has their specialty. Um, Edmonton's always been known as a fighting game community. It's something that's really, really taken a hold of, but a game Let's like Super Smash Brothers. That, <laughs> oh, sorry. Does that say something about us? Should we be concerned? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just a different kind of fun, especially um, specifically in that Super Smash Brothers scene. It's a very large Nintendo title, right? Whereas Nintendo is maybe not as supportive of certain tournaments, whereas in Toronto, they're much more known for Street Fighter when they're doing fighting games. So it's one of those things that um, it really depends on the developer behind the game as well as the publisher. So us you know, being the fourth largest video game hub in Canada, but not having competitive multiplayer titles come out of Edmonton has really influenced what we see game wise as people compete in. So I think that's a really key point that CK hit on is that that grassroots piece is really influenced by city and having such a large country. We, uh, we have a huge variety of what people are into. Yeah. Thanks for describing just the scale. And I think a lot of listeners will be like surprised surprised and so um like i know over just the last few years my husband was watching twitch and i'm like you know what is this that like thousands of people are there in person watching people compete on video games you have you know a team of four and the other team of four lined up on their gamer chairs just totally engrossed in this game and you know hundreds of thousands of people watching on twitch and donating to a charitable cause and i was just like what is this world and it's really cool and it's really exciting so um it's it's really delightful to then see like you two and, and others in the edmonton region pushing for these things to come to come here to the region and and that there is already this grassroots community where it's um there's like the pro level but also this grassroots just like recreational level of esports so I think some of the things you alluded to, CK, are part of a, an esports strategy um, that Edmonton Global and some other organizations uh, partnered together on and released recently. Do you want to share a little bit more about that strategy with us? Yeah. Um, so that strategy that was released from Calgary Economic Development had some incredible partners. So obviously, Edmonton Global was part of that, uh, Edmonton Screen Industries Office, um, ASA, and a few other partners as well. Uh, it was really to help, in my opinion, at least to to validate the space. I think that it was smart to do because the esports space, just looking at how it's operating in the globe right now, has kind of experienced a, quite a bit of, of of expansion and contraction, right? And we're seeing that, and that's typical of most new marketplaces because 
there's people who jump in when it's there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of excitement around it. And then they invest a lot of money and then they don't realize all the work that needs to go to build a sustainable foundation for that to grow. So I think that with the strategy being released, it really focused on covering um, some of these main pillars, like one, just identifying what what do we need for an esports ecosystem to thrive, right? What infrastructures do we need? What kind of people, what kind of talent, education, all those kind of pieces that go into that. Um, and at that same time, too, identifying who are the key players in the space to help make that come into fruition. And so luckily, uh, Alberta does stand out because we do have the Alberta Esports Association and, and not every province has an established uh, PSO of, of our kind. Not saying that we're, you know, magical and we're doing things that, that people can't do, but the fact that we took the step, uh, the necessary step to create some sort of formalized uh, association to just focus on this initiative is quite unique. And so this strategy that got released helped um, identify a number of other stats. It helped do a lot of comparison between our city and other popular cities across uh, the states as well. And so I feel like it did really help show what we actually need in order for this to thrive. Um, and on top of that as well, what opportunity do we actually have here? So I know that with those uh, with the development of the sports strategy, they had a one page that was built that just kind of shows those four pillars, right? So we have like our places to play, um, the talent in, uh, talent presence and pipeline, uh, strengthening the grassroots community, which we have, and, and they're very active. Uh, and then, of course, the who else do we need to get involved in these conversations to really develop what we need? So I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but I find that the strategy really helped show a lot of these things that are happening and, and gave good scaled comparisons to other cities that have different levels of infrastructure, different types of community. And again, those partnerships and sponsorships that help elevate that to a place where it can be a lot more functional. But what I liked about it most is it validated what we're doing. It validates that Alberta is a place to attract a lot of these uh, pieces. And it gives an opportunity for like major stakeholders in Alberta to come together and collaborate to determine what do we need to support the community at that same time to what do we get as that benefit? And that kind of trickles into that whole economic impact perspective of, you know, hotel stays or how many businesses receive, um, you know, revenue from their food and drink offered at an event, those types of things. But Madison probably has a much more beautiful description of what <laughs> the strategy would be uh, than myself. I, I don't know. It's um I think you you really nailed it there of the validation was something that we were really seeking. Um, because you know, people see that right now esports globally is a billion dollar industry and they have no idea how to get involved. So the strategy kind of laid out how we saw pieces of Alberta getting involved. Um, obviously at the time I was with um the screen industries office, so our partnership with Calgary Economic Development of putting this out really as a team, but also bringing in Northern Alberta, Southern Alberta, and seeing where the strengths lie across the province already was really eye-opening for a lot of people. I think a lot of people didn't realize how well we were doing in certain pieces. And, you know, ACE is obviously a big, big part of that. And I know it caused quite a, quite a commotion in Manitoba uh, as they got a little bit jealous that, you know, we've, we've validated this, we've made it a real thing and we've really laid out a plan for this living document that will continue to grow and change as we access all these different pillars within the strategy. And for people who aren't in the esports world, um, why should other people care about this? Can you talk a little bit about the economic impact that esports can have on a community? Yeah, um, 
there's a few different ways you can kind of chop that up, right? If we really look at why someone's going to want to get involved into the space, it really comes down to what they're trying to accomplish and, and why they'd want to be a part of that. The interesting thing about the esports space, in my opinion, is when we say esports, we generally go right to the teams. We only talk about like the teams. And as this isn't any shot at Madison, I'm glad you mentioned the, the comparison between this and sports. But what we miss is all of those other elements of jobs and responsibilities that are needed to make it grow. So if we have the teams, that alone, you have your players, let's say that's 10 players on a roster, right? So you have two teams of five on, and they may be focused towards a particular game. You'll need a coach. You'll need a manager. You'll need someone who's managing your socials, your marketing, your comms to sell your brand to other people. So there's that whole unit there. And so we start to realize that there's so many other business functions that are required to make these esport orgs run in a successful manner. So when we say esports, there's a lot of people wanting to pivot now, right? They're pivoting to something that they're far more interested in. They love gaming, they love esports, and they're like, well, you know, maybe I was a software uh, engineer at some place. Like, I maybe now want to go work in the gaming space, knowing that it's growing, knowing that there's uh, a viability for the space to grow and develop. So I find that when you're trying to get people more excited about it, that's one thing. And in terms of economic impact, providing an opportunity for careers and jobs to, to thrive and grow, that's just one element of it, right? But if we talk about having an event here that drives 500 people from a different city to stay at a hotel, they also have to stay, for example, in downtown Edmonton. And so now they have to you know, spend money on, on food and things like that. Maybe they have to rent a car. Maybe they have to do one of these things. And on top of that, because they're coming out of the city, uh, coming to our city from somewhere else, rather, now they might want to look at other things in Edmonton. Maybe they want to go to West Edmonton Mall, which you know most people want to go check out West Edmonton Mall if they've never been. But now they want to see what other elements of, of Edmonton make it different. And with Edmonton, obviously, we are like a festival city. So we have a lot of different things that are happening at any given time. So when we talk about economic impact, it can't always be the simple ROI of like we produced an event for 25,000. It produced 50K of, of economic impact because the long trail of effects that this industry can bring once it has uh, a little bit more structure and, and fortitude to what it can actually provide. That's when we really start to have more evolved conversations with economic impacts. Like another element just to add in there is education. So we're starting to see a lot of universities across Alberta offering esport education programs. We know that there's some in Toronto already and a few other schools across Canada as well. But knowing that universities are going to have to hire these teachers for those jobs, students will come to a place where they know they can take that program to get a foot in the door in that industry. So if we look at building Alberta as a place for esports, the economic impact comes from so many different revenue streams or different sources that I think that at one point in time, it may become quite cumbersome to determine how much is just coming from esports and then again, delineating from the gaming sector as well, just to make sure that people have that clear line between the two. Because I believe that, you know, esports is almost like a subsector of gaming, but they're connected. They, they, they work in tandem together. And I think that making sure they're separate can be really challenging, but I think that we just need to understand that they work well together. Because once you have both of those industries working well together, synchronizing what they're doing, growing the community and awareness and attention to what's available here in, obviously in Edmonton, again, I'm biased, but just in Alberta as a whole, that economic impact conversation becomes less of just like, how does it work and where do we get involved? And at least that's in the conversations I've had to date. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I would look at it for sure. 
Thank you. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point to not just stick to teams and leagues. Um, that's what a lot of people get wrapped up on, especially seeing that Vancouver and Toronto have their own teams. I mean, Zach Hyman from the Edmonton Oilers owns an esports organization. It's something that he sees the potential in and understands that putting in the time now will lead to success later on. It's as well something that we see kind of transcending just the specific piece like we're talking about. It's the production side. I think that's something that Oilers Entertainment Group has done really, really well is they, when they built the new arena, put in a green screen studio. They have one of the largest production facilities for live games in their facility, knowing that you need all of these pieces to make an absolutely fantastic fan experience beyond when you're just, you know, let's get the game out there. Because if you think of yourself, even the, the easiest way is just to compare it to the Oilers, right? Of when you go to an, a show, it's not just, they don't just come out and skate. You know, we have music, we have lighting, we have the, um, we have a mascot, you know, it's, it's things like that, that people who are fans really, really buy into. I know there's organizations that people have been fans of for, for a decade now that uh, you can see kind of reflected throughout esports, but it is beyond that. And like CK said, there is, so many jobs connected to every single piece of this, whether that be the balance team of a multiplayer game or whether that be the education component of making sure that folks know what they're getting into. I mean, as we see at institutions like Nate as well, their radio and broadcast program, it's really showing the behind the scenes, what goes into that, as well as, you know, the color commentary. That's an entire job in esports that I think people forget about. And I was, um, I had it playing on my TV at home once. And at the time, this, uh, it was League of Legends. I will say I'm biased, which I'll get a lot of flack for. But um, their, their analyst desk at the time was sponsored by State Farm. And my dad went, oh, this is real? They have real sponsors? And yes, it's very much a thing, you know, whether it be MasterCard, BMW, Marvel at one point was sponsoring a specific organization. So it's something that they see potential in not only just in the game itself, not just in the pro path, but the entirety of the space. Thank you for painting that picture. Uh, are there any events coming up in the near future that you want listeners to know about? Yes, uh, we are hosting the Alberta Esports Expo. That's going to be on February 18th and 19th at the Edmonton Expo Center in Hall A. Um, this is the first federally funded esport event uh, we've been able to attract uh, in Alberta. And it's been a wild ride to, to get everything put together, but we're really excited about it. The, the event is really focused on helping educate people about what those opportunities, as we've discussed in this conversation, what does it actually look like in terms of you know youth who want to get more into this space? There's also a lot of education that goes in to ensure that we're reinforcing positive habits. So I think, for example, when we think about esports and gaming, people think of, you know, eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew in your basement all day. And while people do that, that's not really something that we kind of want to back up in esports because there's more studies and research coming out proving that you can be a better performer in, an, in a team if you actually take care of yourself, your body, you're eating right, you're sleeping well, uh, those pieces. So 
we're going to have three sections. One's on education. So there's going to be a few different universities uh, from across uh, Alberta who have esport programs or esport clubs just to help show that if you want to get go to a university that has something like this growing, there is options for you here in our province uh, and also here in our city, of course. And then we're going to have the vendor section. So that's just showing, again, as it relates to that economic impact conversation, how many businesses are impacted by this industry, by the growth and attention of this. So uh, that could be vendors selling some of their merch. It can be people who do tournament organizing to event organizing. There's a lot of some of those other business applications that we often forget because it's hard to see it. Again, that it's hard to to grasp and, and make this a tangible item. And then, of course, we're going to have uh, some tournaments as well. So we're going to have PCs there uh, for some of the more uh, relevant games that Madison mentioned, like League of Legends, Valorant, uh, some of those pieces there. And then a ton of, of consoles and things like that for more of the fighting game community. Because as, as Madison mentioned, that is one of the largest communities we do have access to here. So we want to make sure people are able to get there. There's going to be paid tournaments and there's also free brackets too. So we're encouraging uh, families who want to learn more about the space, understand if this is something that their, their child, they want to get into. What does that actually, what does a career play look like? And of course, as I mentioned earlier about people pivoting into this industry, there is going to be this conversation around how do we ensure that people can pivot out of the industry into different sectors, which we're already seeing with a lot of some of the uh, pro esport athletes either going and making some of their own companies, uh, starting an agency, starting a consulting firm, all those pieces too. But much like what you mentioned, the pathway to get there has been relatively hard to define because now we're at a point where all the partners, all the different people who want to get connected finally have a place and a reason to do so. So this event is taking place there. It's a free event. Uh, so we're trying to ensure that there's you know, no barrier of entry. Uh, we just found out that parking is free at the Expo Center. So if you need any more excuse uh, to get there, that's that's another one there. And we do also, we did partner with the city of Edmonton uh, with the Show Your Badge program. So we do have free transit for those who are staying uh, for the weekend or who are just coming to events both nights uh, and a ton of other activations for the event, uh, but I don't think we have to go into detail with those as well. It sounds like a great event. And I know Edmonton Global is going to be part of your education system. We're hosting a panel. Madison, can you just really briefly talk about that panel in case folks might want to catch that? For sure. So we'll be breaking down the esports strategy, like those pillars that CK was talking about, um, representatives from Explore Edmonton to cover the, uh, the tourism part. Uh, we'll be covering the economic development part. We'll also have another piece from CK, uh, which will be great to have the grassroots part covered and then a little bit into the education piece. Um, we're going to have a fantastic moderator, uh, Stephen Cook, who helped found the Pokemon Club at U of A over a decade ago. And it's also a really great opportunity to start practicing uh, so that you can come back and play at GDX in July at K-Days. So that way you'll get real good, real pro. And this way we can have uh, even more big tournaments. Fantastic. Sounds thank you great. both for your time. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah, thank you both. It's fantastic. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Economic Development Matters podcast brought to you by Edmonton Global. For more information about Edmonton Global or to get in touch, visit our website at edmontonglobal.ca. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. We hope you learned something new today about economic development matters and why it matters. Until next time, we're your hosts, Sherry and Brianna, signing off. <laughs>